0: So please welcome to another episode of the Fat for Weight Loss Show. Today we are here with Sean Wells and we will get to it right after this. An important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drill worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. So, Sean, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to be interviewing you today, uh, and you've come from uh, many high regards from many of the other podcast uh, interviewees that I've had on the, on the show, so, it's, it's so glad to, I'm so glad to have you on today. I'm excited to be here. Uh, all those people are, are good friends,
1: so I'm excited to connect with you as well.
0: So I, uh, I I interviewed Tara um, Tara mm-hmm. Garrison, Coach Tara Garrison, last week, and uh, and so she was talking a lot about you, and she's like, you got to get Sean Wells on the podcast, and I'm like, I I do, <laughs> and so it's it's uh it's you know it's really exciting, and I've interviewed you know Liz Williams and Jane Downs as well, um who you might know, uh, yeah, absolutely. Savage. Yeah. are they're, yep. uh, they're they're such awesome people in the in the industry and in this space so it's it's great to to connect but you know i i, I liked starting these podcasts with um you know a bit more of maybe a, a a personal story and i know that you started off uh way back in business um but you know you uh, along the way yeah you started using creatine you sort of started getting into the sports performance side and uh and you went down the optimal sports nutrition um realm and then uh there was a person who, you know, gave you a bit of an outlook of what your life might look like if you kept doing business. Can you sort of talk a little bit more about what happened there and, and how you got started? Absolutely, uh, it was a game changer for me. And you know, I
1: like the thought of that that someone can change your your path dramatically in life, uh, and sometimes it's completely unexpected uh, from an unexpected source and I was at a medical doctor's office uh, getting a physical in between my sophomore and junior year of college. I was pursuing my degree at a business specialty school uh, in marketing and just cruising along and uh, getting great grades and thought that's what I'm gonna do with my life, but like you said, I was using creatine, I was working out, I was seeing all these benefits, I was reading books and magazines and getting excited about all this nutrition stuff. I was spending like Four or five hours in a GNC just looking at supplements you know <laughs> reading all the labels you know how people do in a bookstore that's yeah. how I was in a, in, in a GNC and uh, I, I was just super passionate about it and you know I, I wanted to ask a medical doctor what he thought about supplements expecting him to say they're garbage you know they're nothing like uh, the drugs that we prescribe and it's just silliness and uh, he, he looked at me He saw my passion, and then he turned around, and he grabbed a piece of paper, and he drew a lifeline out uh, that was between 20 and 80, and he said, why not be happy between here and here? Mm. And it blew me away, and at the time, uh, a medical doctor saying that was just like uh, very profound in that he was the... A consummate professional very intelligent to me very accomplished so someone saying this isn't like some hippie on the street saying hey man go chase your dreams bro <laughs> you know like yeah. this was this was legitimate and uh and it really gave me permission to think in a way that was far more open i didn't have like the the tony robbins i didn't have uh oprah i didn't have all these people at the time like all these you know people on the internet and all these influencers and all this stuff that's available now. It was just back then it was like, Hey, like, you know, go get your degree, go get a job, live in the real world. And, uh, this was, this was permission for me to chase my dream and it, and it completely changed the way I thought I did finish up business school, but then I ended up, uh, going back and getting uh, prerequisites that I needed. And then eventually getting my masters at Chapel Hill, the kind of the, the flip side of the equation was when I was uh, at UNC Greensboro to get all my uh, prereqs out of the way so I could get into my dream school of Chapel Hill uh, there was a guidance counselor there and I was telling them everything I wanted to do I want to be a supplement formulator I know this sounds crazy like there's basically none of them in the world especially at the time and uh, you know what do you think of this? And and I'll need like all these sciences. I basically need to start from scratch. Uh, and, you know, this is my dream. And he said, you're a business student. You'll fail and you'll fail miserably. And you should not pursue this. And he told me that that was basically stupid. Hmm. And um, if I had listened to him, he would have taken away the dream that this, this medical doctor gave me. Um, And so your words are so powerful. Uh, You know, the four agreements is, is a very profound book for me, really that, that had a deep impact on my uh, thought processes and certainly how we do impact each other. And, you know, this guy really not only could have taken my dream away, but I wonder how many dreams other people he, he may have taken away. But, I ended up doing about 26 credit hours of sciences a semester for uh, two straight years, and then got into my um, got into my master's program at Chapel Hill and crushed it. Got my uh, RD, registered dietitian, nutritional biochemistry, became a certified sports nutritionist. Uh, became a fellow in the International Society of Sports Nutrition wow. uh, became the world's greatest formulator uh, <laughs> in supplements and uh, I patented about 10 ingredients I've been keto for about 20 years and kind of led that charge and uh, it's been it's been amazing so you know, I, I thank the doctor but I also thank that guidance counselor for strengthening my resolve but it definitely makes me think about the impact we can make on each other when we when we say things, when we, you know, encourage people or discourage people,
0: you never know how it's going to impact them. Mm, yeah, that's very true. And and uh, I did see the four agreements come up in my uh, research behind, you know, doing a little bit of research on you. And, uh, and you know, something uh, that I found really interesting, you know, uh, you, you said you've done uh, keto for 20 years and, and being dubbed the world's greatest formula Uh Formulator, sorry, you, you know you've been working as a registered dietitian for ten years. Uh, you, you've uh, Zone Halo is is your big thing right now. But prior to all of that, um, you know you uh, were suffering with a lot of issues uh, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of autoimmune conditions, uh, uh, pituitary uh, aden adenomia? I, I can't. Adenoma. Yeah. Adenoma. That's right. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that that happened in there. Um, you know, were these parts of the motivation to transition into the ketogenic diet or? Hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah. I was I was struggling.
1: Um, I had uh, Epstein Barr virus, which you know I got mono essentially, mm-hmm. and some people uh, they bounce back from mono, and some people never really do, and it was kind of more the latter for me, Mm -hmm. where it took me about six months to just get back on my feet. I I was kind of a wreck for a long time, Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I eventually did get on my feet, but I was dealing with chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia pretty much permanently after that. Uh, and that's when I started looking into, uh, the ketogenic diet and certainly eating more whole food based, didn't call it paleo at the time, but that's what I'd call it now. Uh, and after that, um, some years later, I ended up getting a pituitary adenoma, which is a a brain tumor. I was going on and off the ketogenic diet, um, I have been on it for twenty years and whenever I'd get on it, I feel great, but I was working probably eighty hours a week to become the world's greatest formulator mm-hmm. and uh, I wasn't sleeping a whole lot and it was hard at the time to to stay keto when I was uh, you know, either cooking for myself or there wasn't tons of recipes. You know, you just got fatigue and I was I, I was the only person I knew doing it. So mm-hmm um, now there's a zillion books, there's all these products, there's, you know, so much more insight into all this stuff and, uh, ingredients that you can add to your recipes from all these companies and snacks. And it's just a hundred times easier now. And, and I stay keto. Um, but that, that was, that was it. And when I got to pituitary adenoma, um, this this brain tumor it put me at risk for higher risk for brain cancer mm. and it also has a massive impact your pituitary uh, does so much uh, throughout your body and certainly impacted my sleep uh, with melatonin release and uh, neurotransmitters and just my health in general and I was having bad headaches and so I've I also be like my testosterone was like 70. My, yeah. estri- my estrogen was through the roof. My beta-estradiol uh, prolactin was through the roof. So, um, you know, I, I've had my trials and certainly uh, keto, paleo fasting has, and, and the supplements uh, have been ways that have uh, definitely been helpful
0: in dealing with some of these uh, health adversities. Mm, yeah, it's it's really interesting, and uh, and to to do it, you know, twenty years ago, there's there's recipes, you know, exploding out of the internet these days, and as you said, there's so many products and things to to make it easier, um, but sometimes you know it get it gets over complicated for a lot of people, and they don't know where to start, uh, and so you know when I when I started, there was you know a lot of questions about exogenous ketones and whether they were required for weight loss. Uh, but then you know that sort of transition into these ultra processed foods and uh, which electrolyte supplement to take and collagen and MCT and all these things. So um, you know taking a minimalist approach, what would you what would be um, uh, the supplements or you know the, the the types of things that you could implement uh, that trigger trigger the largest effect for weight loss or sports performance and, and sleep, one that you um, have have done a lot for as well.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny with the uh, exogenous ketones. Um, uh, I led the charge in, uh, in creating those uh, out mm. of China. So um, a lot of ingredients I've worked on through the years, many of them I haven't gotten uh, money for, or, or thought to do the intellectual property around. I've gotten smarter at that <laughs> as I've gone on. Uh, one of which was like way back in my day when I first started formulating. I, I did raspberry ketones. I don't know if people oh, have yeah, heard yeah. of that one. Yeah, but that's not actually related to ketones like exogenous ketones. No. It's something else entirely. But uh, I I uh, decided to create this and put this in a supplement. Uh, and oh my goodness, it sold a bazillion, <laughs> like it was crazy how, how big that supplement got. And then Dr. Oz mentioned it. And yep. oh my gosh, like I feel like I could have been a billionaire, at least a multi, <laughs> multi millionaire. But, um, wow. it was frustrating walking in a, in a drug store and seeing like just hundreds of packages for raspberry ketones at one point. But yeah, I've gotten better at that as I've gone on um but going back to uh, I guess what supplements I would take is that is that what the question is
0: Yeah I guess so so I know that you've spoke a lot about um, you know berberine for uh, yep. and and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, I know that you've spoken a lot about creatine in the sports mm-hmm. performance world and and, uh, and I, I couldn't find too much about your experience with sleep um, but I know that you know magnesium has a big part in that and maybe light therapy I don't I don't know you probably have a much much better better uh, tackle on on those different aspects i guess
1: yeah 100 percent. so um let's see yes absolutely on the creatine it's uh, not only great for uh lean body mass and uh protecting that that lean body mass but uh, also strength and power which i'm sure you've heard of but most people don't know that it's it's uh really a part of uh bone health eye health reproductive health Brain health especially, Uh, they've shown that it's um, helpful with traumatic brain injury recovery, improving um, cognitive performance in general. Um, So it's also a methylator, which means it could protect against DNA damage. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm a big fan of of creatine. I really feel like it should be uh, almost uh, requisite like a multivitamin uh, for everyone. Uh, So beyond that, uh, fish oil, I like high DHA to protect the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm certainly, it's kind of repeated by me is is how important it is to protect the brain. Uh, We go through so much uh, traumatic brain injury slash insults to the brain, be it a physical insults like uh, we have a concussion or just even trauma, like uh, psychological trauma, can uh, impair neurological function and rewire the brain, shut down certain parts of the brain, the, the neurons and the synapses. Uh, so it's important to, uh, to get the right nutrients. So uh, that high DHA fish oil, the uh, alpha-GPC, which is uh, a special form of choline that passes the blood-brain barrier, Choline is a precursor to acetylcholine, the neurotransmitter. So that's very important uh, for brain health and function. Uh, Mitochondria are massive. Mm -hmm. Um, You are going to hear more and more and more about mitochondrial health, mitochondrial dysfunction, mitochondrial biogenesis. Uh, If everyone remembers the the powerhouse of the cell that makes ATP, the energy that your body functions off of. So, and this actually is really important going back to some of the stuff I was talking about with um, with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, a lot of autoimmune states, uh, including like hypertonic muscles where your muscles kind of like feel too flexed. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are Those are all situations where you're in uh, uh, insufficient cellular energy states. ICE is the acronym. And so you're not making enough energy. There's a gap. And actually like when you look at neurological diseases like uh, Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, they, they actually call it brain energy gap. And that's when you're not making enough energy. There isn't enough of the, the substrate, the energy to provide the, the brain or the body the energy it needs to carry out the functions it needs to. So, you know, it's, and with the brain, we know like Alzheimer's is type 3 diabetes.
0: Yes, right? Yeah. Right. So,
1: so that's an issue. And, and there's so many metabolic diseases. And we're going to keep finding out that nearly every disease is either caused by or related to mitochondrial dysfunction. We're going to keep finding this is, this is at the core of disease, especially anything like metabolic. So um, we're finding that like this is obviously one of the ways that keto works, right? Is that it provides a, an energy substrate when there is a insulin resistance slash glucose intolerance in the nerve cell, in the brain cells, the neurons, or or in the body in general, right? Mm. So, uh, you know, you can provide this energy and that's why like people that are, uh, have metabolic syndrome, basically meaning like type two diabetes, obesity, all these things, they feel like this energy boom when they're on keto, right? Like Mm. you hear this, like I just, I felt tired all the time, I was exhausted. It isn't just about losing weight. Like they just feel like this incredible clarity, this this energy they haven't felt in years, and that's what it is. They're making up that that energy gap, that insufficient cellular energy. They're providing a sufficient amount because they're providing the ketones needed. Mm. And that's where like fasting, especially like I feel like fasting can actually be even more powerful than just a straight ketogenic diet. Mm. Um, maybe a low carb diet and fasting could actually be more powerful. The most powerful would be ketogenic diet and fasting, but um, I mean, certainly that, that wins out, but um, you know, getting deeper into ketosis will provide the ketones needed to give you that energy substrate, especially if you're in a state of, uh, you know, metabolic disease and, and almost everybody like, you know, either from uh, Lyme or type two diabetes or cancer or Alzheimer's or, Uh, autoimmune conditions, whatever, we have mitochondrial dysfunction. So I love doing things that provide more substrate or reduce uh, glucose levels, increase um, insulin sensitivity, or provide uh, better mitochondrial function. So some better mitochondrial function would be things like CoQ10, PQQ, uh, NAD IVs, uh, I'm not a big fan of Niagen. Uh The data is really kind of inconclusive. There's an ingredient, if you are going to use an oral supplement that I think is better than niacin called NMN. Mm. Um, that is one that I would use, and it boosts NAD levels, um, right. which is important in, uh, in the Krebs cycle, the citric acid cycle. It's um, NAD uh, plus to NADH ratio, um, if you look at that little, that little cycle that, that cranks around and makes the ATP, that's, that's where that comes in, into play. Um, and then as far as you mentioned it before, berberine is incredible for uh, improving insulin sensitivity, lowering uh, blood glucose, and therefore increasing ketones if you're in a ketogenic state, um, and it is berberine. Uh, Berberine has been shown in studies to be as effective, if not more effective, than the famous uh, anti-diabetic, anti-aging drug metformin, which is pretty incredible. So a huge fan of berberine. I use that every day without a doubt. Uh, and I do like um, exogenous ketones at times um, and C8 MCTs. I think yeah. that's the best MCT to use. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so those are ones that I would also potentially use. Oh, they, yeah. That just (laughs) that pocket right there of the podcast if you don't listen anymore that's fine because there's (laughs) so much information in there um you know particularly relating to the uh the mitochondrial boost and that that is something that uh i think that gets overlooked a lot is because you know we have insulin insensitivity that that sort of wreaks havoc on most people but uh not a lot of people are uh Um, you know resistant to ketones and that's where that you know energy sort of boost comes from a lot of the time Uh, and so uh, I've uh, I know that you're into the sports performance world and uh, a lot of my listeners here uh, are either you know athletes or they're into running and those types of things along with the the people who are trying to just do a ketogenic diet for better lifestyle but I know that um, fasted workouts can be a good boost for your mitochondria uh, because you're Um, You know, there's a whole bunch of things happening in there that you can probably dig into much better than I can. Uh, And and then, uh, you know, outside of that, um, you know, going into the uh, targeted ketosis and cyclical ketosis, where maybe some post-workout protein, salt, your omega-3s, you know, all of those pathways are sort of a little bit upregulated post-workout. Um, can you sort of uh, maybe elaborate on what I'm talking about there? You you, you would have a, a much better understanding and ways to simplify it. Uh, and, and is there an actual need for um, carbs to spike insulin? post-workout for an insulin response if you're trying to build muscle, or is there not?
1: There is not a need to do that. Um, mm. But it just depends on how adapted you are and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, and I agree on... Um, I guess... So let, let me take it back a step. So when you're when you're trying to spike insulin... Um, you can have insulinogenic amino acids, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that uh, if you go back to the FASTER study by Jeff Volek, uh where they actually compared glucogenic athletes versus ketogenic athletes, and actually Ben Greenfield was one of the, the ketogenic right. uh, athletes <laughs> in that study. Yeah. But they actually, the ketogenic athletes repleted glycogen as fast as the glucogenic people. Mm, I remember. and they said. were having a post-workout shake with uh, a post-workout shake with um, with fats and protein and they're extremely effective uh, at doing so so you adapt over time and people try and put ketosis in a box and what a ketogenic athlete should be and if we look at the animal kingdom which I love to do as well to get ideas I mean, the the cheetah is the fastest animal on the planet, and the keto, uh, the cheetah is ketogenic. You know, so right. I mean, we we shouldn't put things in a box. And you know, I'm not saying that you couldn't be, um, you know, extremely quick, extremely strong. Like obviously, there's there's a gorilla that's that's vegan. There's a mm-hmm. there's a hummingbird which you know uses uh, like pure sugar, but. I don't like to put things in a box because I think if we look at uh, the adaptation, that's the key part. We're all looking at ketosis in studies where there's an adaptation. Many of the studies were zero days Mm. uh, of adaptation. Now we're getting some studies where it's five, seven, maybe 10 days. But like, what is this? Like, we're taking someone who's glucogenic for 25 years, 30 years. And then we're like giving them, hey, here's a week on ketosis. Right. Uh, and if we were to take someone who was ketogenic for 30 years and put them on a, a glucose diet uh, for a week, we'd show that they're insulin resistant. Yep. Because they they wouldn't know how to deal with the carbs because they've gone 30 years without dealing carbs.
0: <laughs> and there's yep. no
1: need. There's the body has no need to use glucose. So. And that's where like metabolic flexibility can potentially come in and and some of those ideas. But it's just crazy how we look at things like that. And just to throw this out there, like a lot of times people chase ketones and I'm weary of that. Like uh, again, the more adapted you are, the more you'll be using them. This Mm -hmm. is just like with glucose. The more efficient you are, the more insulin sensitive you are, the more athletic you are, the lower your glucose is going to be, right? That's right. Because you're yeah. actually using it.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah. So
1: it's the same with ketones. Like we don't like, you know, you can't just chase like, oh, I want like a six. I want to like, if you're like still like getting the same ketone levels like several years down the road, then you're probably not doing things right. Like I, I would always go more by how you feel like experientially do you feel the cognitive clarity i mean it's it's okay to use like a uh a glucometer and and look at you know glucose and ketones and do the you know glucose ketone index and all that kind of stuff but you want to go more by the experiential effect Mm. and another thing that's really important when you're talking about cyclical and targeted i do both of those Mm. The reason I do this is because I've been doing this 20 years. I'm very well adapted. I can pop in and out extremely quickly, easily. I don't have keto flu. I don't uh, it doesn't take me days. Uh, it takes me more like hours sometimes. Mm. but I'm very, very good at it. And this is a lifestyle for me. This isn't like a 12 week crash diet like where I'm trying to lose 20 pounds and then I'm kind of like you know, eat Twinkies for the rest of my life. <laughs> This is uh, this is what I'm doing with my life. Like, this yeah. is how I plan to live out, you know, that timeline that that doctor was talking about. So, you know, I wanna like not feel like I'm deprived and, and I typically don't, right? Like, I mean, I love uh, keto and, and there's so many great foods and certainly now more than ever, like we talked about, there's so many options. But, you know, I like to sometimes be out with a friend and, you know, have a dessert. Uh, if we're out at a restaurant and you know or have a drink or you know my my fetish is uh probably a breakfast cereal which i've never broken (laughs) since i was since i was a child but now there is some decent keto cereals that are coming out now with much to my happiness uh but you know like i play sand volleyball here in dallas and um you know, I play pretty competitively and sometimes on a Saturday I'll play out in the heat for eight, 10 hours and I can eat whatever I want on those days. And I stop about three hours out before I'm done and I'm already back in ketosis. Mm, Like that's how much like I'm driving and, and pushing. So, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, and then when it comes to uh, so that would be an example of, uh, targeted. Um, if I'm just using, um, you know, sugars, like I'll have, I'll have a Coca-Cola, I'll have some candy. I try and when I have sugar in the targeted scenario, I try and have it, uh, more in the pure sense and not mix fat into the equation. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a number of reasons why I would do that. But when I have like a, um, A cyclical which I might do like one meal a week um, Mm. where I just have whatever I want maybe two meals a week uh, and they might be back-to-back if I was to do that Um, but that's that's just so I can again go out with some friends or if I'm at a wedding have some cake or you know like I'm not gonna like uh, not live life and You know, here's the, here's the flip side of the equation, right? Like if, if you were to take somebody that was eating McDonald's uh, for 20 meals a week and then you give them uh, one salad uh, with olive oil and uh, whatever you think super healthy, let's put salmon on it and whatever. <laughs> are they going to be healthy from that one meal?
0: Mm, no.
1: No, no, they're not. So. You know, if I have one meal a week with whatever I want, it doesn't make me unhealthy. If anything, you know, it's something I always like. the. I don't like the word cheat. I like the idea of, like, planned carbs. That's what it is. And, you know, if you're active enough, you can have carbs. If you're super active, then, you know, most of those people can have all the carbs they want all day long and be super lean. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, for those of us that maybe are are lean towards being more insulin resistant or if you're sedentary then you know i would move away from carbs you just have to earn your carbs carbs there's no deficiency for carbs we were taught that carbs are necessary they're not mm. so it's
0: that's what it is i'm not anti carb you just have to earn your carbs right That's exactly right and I think um, if you if you do plenty of that really high intensity activity like I was uh, I'm a cyclist and so I, n- I know what that that dropping off the edge of the cliff uh, when you have gone into dangerous oh. levels of l- dangerously low blood glucose levels uh, it you you sometimes just need a coke to bring you up to normal again because you've been pushing yourself so hard and because you've maybe depleted your glycogen levels beyond repair um, you know and, and 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 uh, I, I like what you are saying before about you know um, incorporating some of those cl- carbs to to make it feel more like a lifestyle, not just a restrictive diet. Um, you know, and commercially, like whole foods and paleo and keto, they often get lumped into these restrictive diet, quote unquote, type things. Um, and so, it's really important for a lot of people to find their own lifestyle uh, and 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 maybe stop. Um, you know, searching through Instagram and and getting that that guilt of oh, I I, I had one meal that wasn't keto, um, and now I, I need to you know uh, do all these things to get back into into keto, and that might be you know a, a great way, but it's not necessarily going to work every single day. So having one of those meals a week or two of those meals a week, um, you know, that cyclical approach is is uh, is really important to make it a lifestyle, really. Um, and it's uh, that there, there's so there's another. Avenue that I want to dive into a bit more so for, for my interest, um, and it and it comes to protein thresholds. Now I know that uh, you know the leucine threshold has plays a big part in this, but um, you know the bodybuilder sort of typical diet is the you know two pounds, three pounds of, of protein per lean body mass. Um, but I, I also think that sometimes uh, within the ketogenic diet that people can also go uh, very low on protein. And what I've found is that I I uh, was pretty strict keto. I ran a, a, a full marathon and I was training for that for sixteen weeks. Uh, and I did DEXA scans at the start and the end, and I ended. Up I ended up going from 17% body fat right up to 25% body fat throughout that that stage. And and I feel like um, I might be maybe an anomaly when it comes to doing it really, really strictly. But I also think that I was probably uh, very under... Under protein and maybe going through too much of my actual uh, muscle that's on my body. Do you have any thoughts on um, that protein threshold and, and sort of where that sits for uh, the difference between maybe an athlete and someone who's quite sedentary?
1: Yes, I do. Uh, it's, that's a great, great question. And what I've found before I even get into like a ketogenic um, athlete or ketogenic person in general is I would say there is. So leucine is the key amino acid, like you mentioned, that drives muscle protein synthesis. And people might know leucine as a BCAA, branched chain amino acid, just like those drinks that have isoleucine and valine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes up, BCAs make up the majority of muscle. I believe it's like 70% of muscle. Um, and then you also probably know EAAs, essential mm-hmm. amino acids, um, and B- and leucine is one of those as well. So we need to get that from our protein sources. Mm-hmm. And whey, in particular, is very high in leucine. I think it's about twelve percent of whey is is leucine. That's why it's very popular with with bodybuilders because it helps uh, start that that process of muscle protein synthesis. So that means anabolism, which means building muscle. So. Most bodybuilders think that we just, you know, how can I build muscle twenty four seven, and really um, being in constant anabolism uh, would be extremely detrimental. And you know, it's always about a cycle of build up and breakdown, mm. uh, anabolism and catabolism in all of our tissues. So it's an important aspect of life. And it, again, it's just one of those things, like you know, talk about being uh, oversimplified on. Or, uh, or, you know, what was your term like for, uh, you know, some of these dieters like that are just, they have to be in ketosis 24 seven. And it's just, it's not realistic, right? right. Uh, it's the same with, it's the same with, you know, bodybuilding and, and anabolism. So, but going back to, uh, leucine and muscle protein synthesis, it is really important to drive that. And i f- I feel that the data is showing this, and this is my insight into this: is that as we become more insulin resistant, the need for leucine is increased. Right. So, think of this like um, this is one of the reasons that sarcopenia happens, which means uh, a, a loss of muscle mass as we age, and really a trading of body tissue for you know muscle mass for fat mass. Uh, with age, right? Mm. So that's because there's a greater insulin uh, resistance and there also is lower androgen levels, meaning testosterone. Mm. And those two things are massive. And it's not about absolute leucine levels. Like, you know, we hear like, uh, you need like 2 to 3.5 grams of leucine to drive muscle protein synthesis. Right. It's actually about... How quickly the leucine gets into the plasma, the blood, and shoots up. How quickly that happens. It's not about the absolute level. So it's the body sensing that there's a spike and then starting muscle protein synthesis. Hmm. As we get older or more insulin resistant, that spike becomes more rounded. Hmm. right? So then the need for greater amounts of leucine to turn that on is there, which means most of the time you're not gonna get 3.5, 4.5, 5.5, 7 grams of leucine in a meal. That would be really tough. And that's why you see as we age, we start trading off that muscle mass for fat mass. That's why I think Mm -hmm. it's important to either eat high enough protein to take leucine or BCAAs itself, to take something like HMB, which is a leucine metabolite, or to make sure you're getting deep enough into ketosis, maybe with exogenous ketones or MCTs. And those, are they've been shown to be leucine sparing. Now what's happening uh, when we get into uh, ketosis? I feel like it's actually sending you the other, the other direction to where maybe you only need one and a half, Two grams of leucine potentially. Again, it's not about absolute levels, but let's say it's a little lower level because wow. you're leucine sparing because you're more uh, insulin sensitive because that spike doesn't need to be as high. Um, it's been shown that ketones BHB spares leucine, wow. and it may in fact also be anabolic. So that's where uh, the ketogenic diet, um, you know, may be helpful. Uh,
0: at sparing lean body mass. Wow. So in theory, um, you know, uh, a high carb athlete is is doing themselves a disfavor because they're blunting out the the response from the leucine, uh, whereas you know having the the higher ketone levels, uh, you you get a, a, a greater effect from the less amount of calories. In in theory, right? Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So. But it depends on how active that person
0: is, um, you right. know, what they're doing with that glucose for sure. But, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is something that uh, I've been recently interested in because I did a, uh, a, a ketogenic sparing modified fast. No, ketone. Ke- ketogenic protein sparing modified fast, which mm-hmm. is essentially mm-hmm. dialing down the fat macro um, to tap into a, a body fat percentage. But I mean, like I, I was I, that was very successful for me, dip, mm-hmm. as opposed to a, a very strict ketogenic diet. Um, but in theory, I may be more insulin resistant because I needed more protein to actually make that transfer of. Uh, I, I think it was a five kilo loss of body fat and a and a two two and a half kilo gain of, of muscle. Over an eight-week period, which was which was interesting because of the the less less amount of fat. Again, it was low carb, uh, and and there was fasting involved. But yeah, really interesting, really interesting. There's, there's so, so many n- different ways.
1: Yeah, another thing along those lines, and I agree with you. I would say that if you're athletic, um, I would go for more like twenty-five uh, percent possibly up to 30%. And you can actually look at protein cycling, maybe on days that you are bodybuilding slash working out, mm-hmm. maybe you cycle up higher in protein. Um, but like for the average person, maybe that's not working out, maybe it's yeah. closer to, to 20. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the cancer type diets, they tend to be even lower than that, that are strict ketogenic, like you said. But um, that's where I'd start maybe looking at some of these other interventions that could spare lean body mass in conjunction with that MCTs, HMB, BCAAs, things like that. But what I have found is that uh, the more muscle mass you have, the more carb tolerance you have because you, you that lean body mass has uh, these glute tr- uh transporters on them to actually uh, translocate the glucose, take it up out of the, the plasma and take it into the cell. So I've found that this is one of the reasons why males, especially ultra muscular males tend to do keto easier. And they're like, oh, I eat 50 grams. I eat hundred grams. Mm-hmm. I, I've had some yeah. bodybuilders like massive bodybuilders tell me they could have 150 grams of carbs a day and still being ketosis. They worked out super hard, and they were, you know, 300-pound bodybuilders. But, And this is why I think some uh, more sedentary women that don't have much lean body mass, they're saying, I'm doing 20 grams a day, and I'm still struggling to stay in ketosis. You know, so I think that's where... uh, lean body mass can be a massive factor in the ease of the ketogenic diet, experiencing less of the keto flu potentially, um, and you know having an easier time transitioning in and out of ketosis if you are able to use that glucose because you have more lean body mass, and especially maybe if you're doing like high intensity interval training mm. and you have the lean body mass because then you're, you're burning through that glucose and you're getting back into ketosis
0: faster yeah really interesting and i um I did tests on myself and this is why it's good to test on yourself and not necessarily rely on on what other people have done uh and i was I was testing myself with basically just straight cornstarch because I was really interested in what Yucatan starch have done in the endurance world where they've sort of given these, uh, it was a product formulated for people who had a really low glucose tolerance and they needed something that sustained them while they were asleep basically. That was the mm-hmm. idea uh, and and I thought well it's essentially cornstarch so what happens if I just have 50 grams of straight cornstarch in water uh, and my blood glucose only went up 10 10 points which was interesting uh, and that and it didn't it didn't go up any further than that over the next three hours um but for me like i may be insulin in uh maybe more insulin sensitive at that point and then you know that sort of fluctuates and and uh, yeah i think i think uh, fasting in particular is a, is a great as what you were saying before uh, is a great combination with the ketogenic diet uh, but yeah those particular different uh types of foods you know great, uh, straight corn is definitely not for everyone um and it, that was more of just an experiment but yeah it's really interesting to to see how the ketogenic diet or you know a low carb diet uh can can be so flexible, depending on who you are and what you do, uh, and uh, and 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 vice versa. So inflexible for some people as well. Um, yeah,
1: it, uh, sorry. Along those lines, um, my friend uh, Rob Wolf, uh, he's one of the architects of, of Paleo, and maybe you've read uh, his book, like Paleo Solution. And he also has a book called Wire to Eat, and he yes, dug yep. into this. Uh, there's some really great data that shows that. Uh, there's differences in carbohydrates. Where uh, this one study, they gave um, certain members of the the study participants. Uh, they gave them, I think, a cookie, and then another. Uh, then they also gave them a banana, and the the differences were crazy. Like some of them, uh, they had no insulin changes. Basically, it was, it was very flat with with the cookie. Some of them, it was very flat with the banana. And then some of them had the spike with the cookie. Some of them had the spike with the banana. And it was just all over the place. Like, it's just there isn't, like, uh, you know, a clear, like, okay, like, both of these things. Let's look at glycemic index. And, you know, here's what it is. Um, it's it's not that simple. I think a lot of it might have to do with... Um, possibly enzymatic differences and breaking down some of these uh sugars like disaccharides um and you know i don't again it it just might be adaptation or Mm. evolution and what your diet consisted of like maybe like you know you come from a lineage that had a lot of fruit maybe you come from a lineage that didn't Mm. so it's just an interesting idea of like uh, it's not that simple of just like okay carbs or just glycemic index or whatever. Mm. Um, it's it's very um, individualized on in how yeah. we respond to various foods.
0: Yeah, it's it's so interesting um, that you point out that you know there's uh, there's a bit of a timeline there as well because I'm uh, uh, as you were saying before, you know all these studies are done on someone who's been uh, you know. <laughs> loaded up on glucose for 25 years and then they go into a study and they've only had two weeks of keto adaption and they you know put them through a you know (laughs) uh you know a cycle to to failure type thing and of course they're going to fail um but because they haven't had that that sort of uh transition and i find with um a lot of uh, a lot of athletes come to me and they say look uh, I, I'm thinking about doing a half marathon. It's in eight weeks. Uh, I haven't trained too much for it, but I'm thinking about going low carb. Uh, what, what do you think? And I go, don't do it. Because, no. <laughs> yeah, be, because there's no, they, they haven't gone through that transition. They haven't put their body into a fat burning state and therefore they're not as metabolically efficient. Um, and, and I think that is a bit of a prerequisite to uh, doing endurance activities when it comes to a ketogenic diet, especially if you're, in a you know VO2 max range that is uh, designed to burn that that really high octane fuel uh, and you know they run at 90% of their max heart rate for the entire half marathon which is you know crazy but mm-hmm. um, there, there's there's a bit of a, a timeline where you need to be fat adapted then you can start playing around with how well, how how um, glucose tolerant are you or how protein how much protein can you actually put into a diet without it affecting um how you feel and uh it's important to measure as you were saying before like how you feel as opposed to what you're getting on the the ketone monitor on the uh you know the blood glucose monitor and those types of things but that is all very separate to uh metabolic disease and how that affects um you know people with uh dementia and diabetes and all those types of things um two very very (laughs) different ends of the spectrum so it's it's really interesting to get your thoughts on that too yeah absolutely yeah uh and so you know uh i I think (laughs) i'm sort of out of uh questions because we've we've delved very in depth in in all of this and i'm uh, i'm super you know super excited to for me to go back and listen to all of the, <laughs> all of these notes, but um you know towards the end of the podcast, I do like asking some quick questions It's more of like a rapid fire type uh, scenario and uh, you know some of the the foods that you can't live without and and uh, some of the books you might have read and I know that you mentioned uh, you know the four agreements, but we'll get to that uh, but to, to start off with what is one keto food or one low carb food or one food in general that you cannot live without <laughs>
1: Well, like I said, uh, I think I was just born a cereal addict. Uh, <laughs> I just I grew up on cereal. I tried to shake it uh, when I went keto, and it's like one of those things that calls to me. I know, like people, like are thinking like. Got to be like lobster or sushi or you know some filet mignon, and for me, it's like Lucky Charms or something, you know? yeah, right. <laughs> uh, there's just something that's great about cereal, but I'm pretty stoked that there's several brands of uh, like old school and uh, these different brands of, of cereals coming out now that I'm hopeful will uh, will hit the spot when it comes to uh, keto, but um. I do love those other things I just mentioned. Like when it comes to keto, like I mean, there's nothing better than a great steak. Uh, mm-hmm. You can put some butter on it and you know some onions or whatever, and you know you grill it up. And like I could, I could literally have steak practically every day. And and I do love lobster and shrimp and those kinds of things. Um, I don't worry about uh, gluconeogenesis. I think that's greatly exaggerated. Mm. Uh, again i think that's one of those things that we can adapt to over time is you know like you were talking about is the degree of protein if you think about again going back to animals the cheetah or you know whatever like apex predator is chasing down uh some gazelle or something and and is carnivorous they're not like eating 70 percent fat like they're (laughs) they're eating mostly the the lean body mass the, the muscle and so, and they're not necessarily gluconeogenic. I mean, it's just a question of activity, adaptation, uh, a number of things that would take place over time. But um, I think a lot of those things are greatly exaggerated. The biggest thing that we need to do is just avoid the processed carbohydrates, now the ultra processed carbohydrates. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that never existed in our diet. And we were never as fat as we are now. Certainly there's, you know, factors of, of being sedentary but the degree to which this we're eating this high bliss point food and that's it's food engineering made us uh making us overeat Mm. uh you know because there's there's fat in there for mouthfeel and there's high glycemic carbohydrate to trigger like this this dopamine response a serotonin response in your brain it's it's like lights up your brain like crack yeah so it's it's hard to not overeat these things like it's it's literal bliss point. Like if I was to like, you know, hand you like some some almonds that were plain and then I put some oil on them and then I put some salt on them and then I add sweetness to that and then I add uh, you know, habanero flavor. Now you got honey habaneros that's salted that's got canola oil and maltodextrin on the nuts. Well, wow. I mean all of a sudden you can't stop eating these things and you go through like, you know, Fifty of them, where you would have just probably had ten and stopped, mm. you know, if they were plain. So it's like that's that's food engineering right there, and so it's it's hard to to not overeat, and that's what we're fighting. And that's where you know keto is not only effective for the way it works to provide like the a ketone for energy as a substrate to be breaking down fat when there isn't uh, high um, glucose in the environment, then. That's great but it's also helping you avoid a lot of these um, these high glycemic ultra processed foods yeah so I and totally agree So that's a, another wonderful point and that's why I love the idea of not only doing keto but doing paleo and, and fasting like we talked about. Um, so those are probably my, my favorite foods. I guess my cheat would be the the cereal, uh maybe like frozen yogurt with like some you know little treats on it uh but uh for just you know keto foods it would be you know steak lobster and all that good stuff
0: i love it and uh, and i guess in contrast to that do you do you dislike any food that other people might like for some people that maybe avocado uh some people don't like fish some people love i don't know is there anything out there that you're not a big fan of that other people might like
1: you know, the only thing I can think of, and I don't think most people are a fan of it, but I want to become a fan of it as I want to become more paleo, more carnivorous, kind of delve into my biohacking roots is is organ meats. Right. Yep. And I've struggled a little bit with that one. I know that you can get like U.S. Wellness and some of these companies, like you can have it blended in with like the... The beef, you know, the cow muscle, essentially. Oh, yeah. So you can get like a burger, where it's all blended together, and it doesn't, you know, have the same textures issues that uh, one might have, or that metallic uh, issue. But that's something I would, I would really like to gain a taste for. Is you know having
0: hearts and liver and you know things like that. Well, I think uh, pate is usually a good um, gateway mm-hmm. into into organ meats for most people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, so so uh, you know you're big into uh, exercise as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Is is there uh, a, an exercise uh, specifically related to lifting or weights that you think is the most effective?
1: No, I, I mean I wouldn't be you know going back to individuality. Like I would have mm. to know what someone's. Um, we all have disparities in terms of our uh, rotation and flexion, and you know, like we tend to be. If if I were to look at you and like go all the way up the posterior chain, like just like turf toe, for example, like some like a, a discrepancy in your gait, starting with your big toe, could cause knee issues, hip issues, lower back issues. Neck issues, wow! And we're compensating all the time for things that we do. Like I play a lot of volleyball, and that's that's like really um, one-sided. In like you know how I'm swinging constantly with my right arm. I'm not swinging Mm. with both arms, right? Or like if you play baseball, for example, and you're throwing, you're throwing that one arm a lot. Or playing basketball, or you know doing some of these things. Like we tend to do sports like more one-sided or, you know, driving or whatever, like, you know, there's a lot of things we do in life that can leave us kind of unbalanced. And Mm -hmm. sometimes like the way we sleep, for example, like if you tend to sleep on one side and even if you have a body pillow or something like that, like your hip can be rotated and, you know, that can lead to, Postural distortions like gait distortions like over time like that you might need to do certain exercises to undo that So before I would get into I need to build these muscles I would look at like a full head-to-toe analysis of a person and then say we need to get you in this rotational lunge, you know before we get you working out so we activate your glutes so mm-hmm. that we, you know, so that you're not flexed on the left side, like with your, uh, with your rib cage towards your, your pelvis. You know, things like that, like uh, it's really important to kind of, you know, in the, in the long-term gain, again, it's not about the 12-week thing and just putting on muscle. If it's about living a long, healthy life, then that's most important is assessing the person and what their uh, deficiencies are, and we all have them. We all have them because we all sit at a desk, we all sit in a car, we all sit and watch TV, we all, you know, sleep some weird way, or we're on an airplane, or we work out a certain way, we play certain sports, you know, and so we all have these these distortions that we need to address.
0: Mm, yeah, and we were never ever meant to sit for as long as we do now. Oh, um, it's terrible! Yeah, terrible. <laughs> um, I know Kelly Starrett is a is a big ah. component of you know getting up and being ultra flexible and that's going to be the the you know the base for a lot of your movement and uh you know i think that's probably the most diplomatic answer i've had to that question (laughs) which is so awesome (laughs) because usually it's like oh no deadlifts you need to do deadlifts that's you know that's the one thing you need to do so um
1: no i well thank you but i i do agree with kelly in that just natural movement like you know whether it's like crawling or walking and it's just get out and walk one of the best things that you can do like right after you eat whether you're low carb, keto, high carb, whatever, is yep. take a walk within 10 minutes after you're done eating and it will dramatically impact your insulin sensitivity. Mm. Just a walk. Mm. Doesn't mm. have to be yeah. a run, doesn't have to be a workout. Just take a post dinner stroll for yep. 10 minutes.
0: Mike Munzel talks a lot about that too. He, um, he, yeah, his, uh, I know that his blood, blood glucose were elevated one night and he went for a walk and came back and they were 30 points lower. Um, so even just that can, can make a huge difference. So, yeah, getting out after dinner instead of watching TV, just go for a walk, 20 minutes. That's all you need. Exactly. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, so we spoke a little bit about the four agreements before, um, but, you know, do you have any books or, or podcasts that have recently inspired you or ones that you go back to all the time?
1: Uh Yes. Um, definitely, uh, like we said, the four agreements. I also like the idea of stoicism. Uh, and that's kind of the, this idea of adaptation where I mean, the Ryan Holiday's book title kind of encapsulates the whole thing. And if you like Tim Ferriss, who's great, uh, he talks about Ryan Holiday a lot and stoicism a lot. Tim is a big proponent. But it's called The Obstacle is the Way. and and that's how we adapt we don't want to avoid adversity we don't want to find a way around it to never have it to get under it to go through it we want to go over it we want to deal with that adversity because that's what makes us great and people need to embrace that and I know all the trauma that I've been through in my life it was certainly difficult at the time but I'm so thankful uh, for all the the health issues I've had. Otherwise, I wouldn't be the world's greatest formulator. Otherwise, I wouldn't be on this podcast, right? I wouldn't have helped all these people. I, you know, like, so, like, those the long hours, the health issues, the, the relationship traumas I've had, whatever, all these things that have happened um, ha- have been incredible for my personal development. And mm. if I was just born rich and uh, had it all, super good-looking, super intelligent, super healthy, perfect everything, I'd probably be
0: a terrible person. (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, uh,
0: probably Ryan Holiday's book, uh, The Ego is the Enemy. um,
1: Yes, exactly. Great one, too. Mm -hmm. is,
0: uh, is fantastic, especially if you have access to The Limelight uh where you don't um you know use that to your disadvantage or anyone else's disadvantage um, yeah, exactly. and, I, and I, I, I have gone down the realm of the stoicism, but I couldn't really get into Marcus Aurelius. So I think Ryan holiday is a good intermediate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I
1: agree. Mark, Marcus is a little tough,
0: it's, yeah. it's a little tough to get into, <laughs> uh,
1: as far as podcasts, um, I do like, uh, like we said, uh, Tim Ferriss, he's excellent. Mm. Uh, I do listen to some Joe Rogan, uh, Chris Gethin uh, is a brilliant bodybuilder who's also an Ironman uh, athlete. Um, Just an incredible guy. Great mindset. I love him. Um, Keto Savage. Really cool uh, podcast. I I love uh, Robert Sykes. I've gotten deep with him a couple times, and we're practically in tears every time we we do a podcast. I don't know what it is about him, but... He's just like such a, a genuine uh, good person. Um, so those are those are some of my favorites.
0: Yeah, that's great. And uh, you know, uh, Keto Savage, uh, Robert Sykes. He, uh, I think you've been on his podcast twice now. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, if you if you do have do you have a chance, go over and uh, subscribe to hit to, to that podcast and listen through because uh, Robert's probably one of the most humble people I know on this earth. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really great to, you know, be a part of that, which is fantastic. Uh, so I was a musician for a long time, uh, traveling around Australia and being bands and whatnot. And uh, I really love to hear what people's music tastes are. <laughs> so I don't know whether you're into music or whether you have any musicians that you go back to, or do you just like putting on a playlist? Like, what's your sort of preference in there?
1: Music obsessed, and I have, you know, like people say, Oh, I'm into a little bit of everything. Like, I really love music, and I have everything. I, I listen to like industrial, heavy metal, uh, oh, awesome, you know, hard rock, classic rock, 50s rock, yeah, um, you know, uh, binaural beats, yeah, uh, I listen to uh, pop, hip hop. Uh, old-school rap um, you know 70s disco like 80s 80s pop uh, I, I just so much stuff country like reggae
0: um a, a lot of stuff really oh, really that's yeah, it's it's hard to sort of go down uh one rabbit hole if if uh, you have an appreciation for it all isn't it like i i, I think uh and, and pop gets a bad name um but i think it's one of the most complex types of music out there because if you can make something simple you've got a very good grasp on how it's actually put together and so you know those those pop tracks where you just go i i just instantly feel it how on earth did they make you did they engineer that to exactly to, to work like that
1: exactly i i think that's brilliant as well that like some of and and some of the the most important songs in our in our public uh, lexicon or whatever you want to call it that are just so deeply ingrained into uh our society and and woven into the fabric of our history they're, they're pop i mean pop means popular there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with being popular like Mm. I mean, from Amazing Grace to the Star Spangled Banner to, you know, a slew of Led Zeppelin songs. I mean, you know, I mean, just think about like when you watch Forrest Gump and all those tracks that are that are so important to making you feel something, uh, you know, Sweet Home Alabama, Running on Empty, you know, all these songs that are in Forrest Gump, they're so transcendent. I mean, they're pop. Like, you know, they were pop, at least at the time, in the in the 70s or 80s. And so, I I agree. I, and mm. there's so many songs like that, that, you know, a couple notes in, I'm already like, whoa. I remember, like, when Gautier's uh, Somebody I Used to Know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, like, I heard that, I was, like, in a Starbucks, and I heard it the first time, and it was, like, literally, like, 15 seconds into the song, and I was like, what <laughs> is this song I need this song in my life. Yeah. I have to find it uh, again and hear it again. and it wasn't even over yet. And yep. uh, you know and that song you know played a billion times and everyone loved it. but I mean there's songs like that that just kind of grip us and uh, I, I think that's amazing too, trying to break down what that is, the elements that that are so powerful to us uh, uh, in terms of the, the sonic impact, yeah.
0: Right, yeah, it's a really exciting time to be to be uh, into music as well because <laughs> it's just it's moving so quickly, you know. Um, Agreed. But, and, and so to you know to sort of bring the the whole podcast uh, into into wraps and uh, you know give one big overarching uh, answer to it all. Um, you know, if uh, what do you think the most important aspect or the lead domino is to achieving um, food freedom? within, uh, you know, within that space of trying to optimize your health but not uh, push it too far to being too stressed out or uh, being on the fence. Because I know I, I get this question a lot uh, is that, you know, oh, I've been, uh, I eat bacon and eggs for breakfast, you know, that's keto, right? And it's like, yeah, but the, the, the your lunch and dinner uh, is, is, is not playing into that. And, and what a lot of people don't f- like miss out on is that, and you mentioned it before—is mixing the carbs and the fat together. Um, is there something um, that you know people could take away from this podcast that you know maybe mixing those two isn't such a great idea, and and maybe how they can, uh, or, or maybe just your take on that.
1: Yes, when you have carbs, you inhibit lipolysis, um, which means breaking down fat, and you promote. Um, uh, storage uh, of the fat. So, um, you know, when insulin is elevated, uh, that's what happens. So that's and and where in nature does this usually happen? Where you have high glycemic carbohydrate and fat. Again, mm-hmm. that's a high bliss point food, right? Yeah,
0: that's that's food versus.
1: engineering. Yeah, that's food engineering. That doesn't happen in nature. Mm-hmm. There's only one circumstance I know of. Where there's high glycemic carbohydrate and uh, high fat, and that would be a bear getting ready for hibernation in the winter is eating um, fatty fish and it's right. eating berries and he puts on tons of fat, right? And that's wow. the only circumstance where I can think of that, so um. You know that's, that's not common uh, in nature, and it wasn't common in our diets until ultra-processed
0: foods came around. Mm, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, interesting to think about, and I think it's glossed over a lot. Um, and, I'm, and I'm glad you brought it up throughout the podcast, and I was kind of leaving it to the end to maybe <laughs> get, get to that. But so, so where can people find you? Uh, where can people get in contact with you? And, and maybe uh, where can people jump over and follow you on, on social media? Where is that all happening?
1: Yeah, uh on Instagram it's at zonehalo, Z-O-N-E-H-A-L-O, or you might say Z. Z, yeah, yeah um, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, it's seanwells.com, S-H-A-W-N, W E L L S, so the English spelling of Sean, seanwells.com. Um, but that's those are the those are the big ones. Is uh, Instagram, Zone
0: and uh Seanwells.com. That's fantastic. You know, and all those links will be in the show notes for this podcast. So for whatever app you're using, jump over to the show notes and you should be able to click the link and, and jump straight to it. But I just wanted to thank you from, from all the listeners and from me especially for, that, for you coming on the podcast because I really think there's a lot of nuggets in this podcast. And, um, and you know, it's one of those ones that you can listen to twice, three times and you know, get more information out of it as you go. So, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you having me on. This was a great conversation. And
1: now Fat for Weight Loss is my new favorite podcast. (laughs) Well,
0: we'll have to do a second round. (laughs) Thanks again, Sean. Yep, no problem. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week, just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.